and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian, the club that infuriates, frustrates, lets you down, makes you wonder why you bother, but every now and again, sometimes when you least expect, they pleasantly surprise you and remind you just how good it can be to be a jambo. I am one of those jambos who is hopefully feeling re- reasonably good about themselves just now, uh, Laurie Dunsire, joined by a jambo a little bit further away, but hopefully also feeling quite good about himself, and the club, Mark Donaldson. I'll always, I'll always love the club. Um, I won't always like them, <laughs> but I'll always be surprised by them from time to time. And... The Hibs game surprised me. The result did. Uh, the performance, maybe not so much, but who cares? We, we we got a point there, and yeah, I would have taken that beforehand. If we hadn't have got a point, then the intro that you've just made might have been very different. It's a bit like a, a relationship or a marriage, isn't it? I mean, you, you, you always <laughs> love them quite often. Quite often you won't like them, but um, well, you'd hope you'd never, never leave them. I guess that's but, not. <laughs> but but you can get you can get out of marriage. <laughs> yeah, that's it true. It costs you money. You can't. If you're a true <laughs> fan, you you can't get out of that relationship. You, you're you're once you're you're in the the relationship you have with a football club, and once it gets once it gets to the heavy petting stage, there's no turning back. <laughs> Is that too soon? <laughs> We will get into the heavy petting stage. Really no, soon. no, 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 no. And don't don't you dare. Don't you dare use that as the title this week. Please, I beg you, after Sex Park and the trouble that caused. <laughs> so, anyway, oh. Heart of Midlothian continue to have the best derby record in Edinburgh at Easter Road. Still still seven wins ahead of the Highbies um, after the 169th competitive game in Leith, that's uh, with 48 draws now on the card, which is always good to see, you know, no matter how much Hibs maybe try and wind us up and they will probably still finish above us this season, you know, you've we've still got that. Even on their own patch, we've won more games in the Derby right there. They would have been hoping to add another win to that and close the gap on Hearts in that sense. Didn't happen, and we will talk about the Edinburgh Derby. We will also talk about some of your favourite, most memorable uh, Hearts kits. Um, Mark's got a little bit of a, a World Cup going on with Hearts kits that we're going to have a bit of fun with. And then, of course, we will look ahead to Hearts next game this weekend against Kilmarnock. Sleefka into the centre circle. Poor pass, but Mulraney's missed it. And now David Gray will have a chance to go forward, driving towards the box. Edge of the area, overlapping his Horgan. Low cut back, it comes up there on in! It's an own goal in the end by Christophe Vera. It's well worked by Hibbs on the right. Horgan with the overlap. He drilled in low and Christophe Vera couldn't get his feet set and it nicks off the Hearts captain and rolls agonisingly over the line and into the corner of the net. Hibbs open the scoring and it's off a Hearts man though. 21 minutes left at Easter Road. Hibbs won, Hearts nil. Piezu waits for it, comes off McGregor. Ball's loose, it pays you challenges, feeds it to the left, McLean into the area, turns on it well, McLean, back towards it, Piazu, stuck it in, and it levels! 
The big man finds him on the left corner. And we're all square in Eastern Road. Sloppy from McGregor. McLean did well to work it back to Igpiezu, who celebrates down in front of us. The Dunbar end in delight. Hibs won, Hearts won. Uche levels things up. So first up, the Edinburgh derby. And um, it's a game, Mark, that I mentioned to you before we came on air. I was really not looking forward to it. And there's been derbies, plenty of derbies in the past when Hearts have been poor or on a poor run and I didn't fancy them. But I couldn't remember many in recent times that I've really just not looked forward to it. I haven't really even had the kind of nervous excitement beforehand. Um, but this one was one of those. Uh, and a few people said that'll be the game where you, know, you, you might actually get a pleasant surprise. And maybe not pleasant, but I certainly had a surprise before the game. Uh, when Craig Levine made some big changes. And we expected some changes. Hearts fairly meekly surrendered to Rangers the week before. So four changes. Out went Bobby Burns, Ollie Lee, Ollie Bozanich and Craig Whiten. In came Connor Shocknessy, um, Sean Clare. And maybe two of the more surprising changes. Harry Cochran in for just his sixth appearance of the season. And in came 17-year-old Connor Smith. So... Big changes there, Mark, and I don't know, I, I mean, I don't think we would have been surprised that Craig Levine mixed it up a bit, but Harry Cochran and Connor Smith, that took certainly me by surprise and most fans I knew. He's been doing well for, for the reserves by all accounts. So, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, like all of us, um, if you're on Twitter, you follow the Hearts account and um, the boys and girls behind the scenes that, that, that update it do so for reserve games as well. And it's been noticeable. He, he has been doing very well. And I, I just thought playing off Uche um, was, was something that he, he wanted to try. And maybe he should have been taken off a little bit before he was, but simply because of the pace mm-hmm. of the game. Uh, he got 65 minutes, maybe maybe 55 or whatever. But I think he can be proud of, of that. I mean, th- there's two ways to look at this. You can look at it and say, well, why is he chucking a kid in for his debut or his full debut um, in a, a game of this, not magnitude, but a derby comes with a lot of pressure. It is the game for Hearts and Hibs fans to, to want to win. So there's that. But on the other hand, there's, oh, wait a minute here. He's, he, we'll see what he's made of. And I think we saw someone that wasn't phased. And that game, those 65 minutes for me, for any player, but especially for Connor Smith, is more than a season of playing in the reserves. That That's the kind of, right, I've got the taste, I want more, or, ooh, I've got the taste, I'm not sure I fancy this. It's certainly the former with Connor Smith. And, and it's not a case of, right, we, we play him from the start going forward in every game. You pick and choose. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want it to be the case where, where Harry Cochran, I'm sure we'll speak about him as well, who has who another who played well but tired pretty rapidly in the second half because it's a different type of pace of game. Um, a derby, never mind a normal Premier League game, never mind a reserve game of which these kids are used to. So I, I hope that Connor Smith continues to be a part of the first team squad um, because he's now got the hunger and it's up to him. It's, it's an easy task for Craig Levine. Uh, when he's playing for the reserve, saying, look, your reserve form got you into the first team for the Edinburgh Derby. Keep it going. And I know we've just finished the reserve season, so mm-hmm. it'll be tough now. But over the summer, it's, it's an easy, incentivized uh, chat that Craig Levine has. Say, look, build yourself up, get strong, 
work out, keep fit, keep it going, and you'll be in contention next year. We've seen what you can do. Don't slip up now. Still just 17. Actually, turned yeah. 17 in February. First start, only second appearance. He came off the bench in the end-of-season game last campaign when Hearts played a lot of kids against Kilmarnock. And he is the under-17 captain for Scotland, so certainly a really bright prospect. One that I had seen barely anything of, but one that I've heard a lot about. So really promising player. And Harry Cochran, one thing, before we get into it, we'll have a little talk about things that happened in the game. One thing that was noticeable when I was just looking at, when I was making my notes before the game started, when I was on commentary duty, of course, um, he's only played five games this season, Four of those were against the old firm. Two against Celtic, two against Rangers. So, interesting that side of it, that Craig Levine, although he hasn't used Harry Cochran a lot this season, and I know a lot of that's to do with injury, but when he has used him, it's often been these big games. So he's got a lot of, a lot of faith in him for that. And, and, and one thing that Harry Cochran has, and he did show it in the game, he's probably the best ball-playing centre midfielder that we have. Maybe not. He's not the most experienced. He's he's a little bit more lightweight than a few, but in terms of actually looking up and playing passes, it's such a difference in having a Bazanich or a Lee in there to have Harry Cochran on the ball. Playing devil's advocate, why why is it taking until the twenty eighth of April for him to get another rare appearance? If he's our best, and we've we've it gets boring at times when we kind of talk about. Um, Harry Cochran and, and being involved that was only his, his fourth start of the season um, and, and you're right about three of the other ones or two of the other ones certainly um, the, the Rangers and Celtic games but it was his first start since December so if I am being critical uh, of, of Craig Levine here it would be because you brought a kid in who I would have hoped we would have seen more of now he's had his injuries I get that but the, the common denominator with him and Connor Smith is they tired rapidly in the second half. And, and granted, they were both replaced. Um, but when, when, you're, uh, when you're kind of bringing someone on or bringing someone into a team, I, I'd like them to have had a little bit more game time of late uh, in the build-up. Because it's very difficult to say to someone, go and start a game at the end of April when you've not started a game at that tempo. Mm-hmm. Um, for the top team since December. So I'm glad they both played. And I think Craig Levine deserves plaudits for the fact he was prepared to throw them in, especially Connor Smith, into that atmosphere. But it'll only do the pair of them the power of good. And looking at the first half, so Hearts, one thing is noticeable, the, the Hearts lineup's an interesting one because um, I asked, I, I asked is like, so what are we going with? What, what are we saying the lineup is? It's obviously back three, but what are we saying beyond that? And um, Phil kind of whispered to me, he's like, well, it's pretty much a a, a three um, a, th- a three six one, but can we call it a three five one one? I was like, what what if I call it a three seven zero? Is that all right? So we had a silly a silly back and forth about what we call it, but it was I, I think a three five one one is is fair. We expected Claire to be the man kind of supporting um, Uchi, but it kind of moved towards Connor Smith been the man supporting Uchi, as he pointed out. Um, so it was quite fluid in the middle. But one thing with the way we played, which I liked, is that we had a lot of width, because we've often not had a lot of width um, when we've gone to Easter Road. And Michael Smith and Jake Mulroney offered that. And then in the middle, we had the likes of Cochrane and Connor Smith on the ball, because two of the things that we haven't 
had Easter Road, two of the things that we've been our downfall at times has been one, width, and we've been taken apart by Hibs in that sense, and two, in the midfield, they've controlled possession, they've controlled the ball more. And I thought at the start of the game, not the for, not for the whole game, of course, but for the start of the game and for quite a bit of the first half, I thought we looked the better team wide and in the middle on the ball. And I thought that was quite key to the fact that the first half, I thought it was a fairly even first half. I thought we controlled the start and Hibs ended the half, um, or at least the middle of the half, they were the better side. I thought we started the best and we ended the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the first half, the first 10, 15 minutes, I kind of thought as I was watching it, this is pretty similar to the last time we played at Easter Road. Do you remember they were really slow out the blocks and we started pretty well? Mm-hmm. And certainly, certainly for the first five, 10 minutes, we pretty much pinned them into their own half. Uh, and it, it was too early for their fans to get frustrated. But for all the weeks we call for a quick start, I thought that was one of our better starts. One thing to mention, because <laughs> I remember we came in at half time, um, and I was, that's that's been a lot better than I thought. I actually said I thought we played better overall in that half than we we did when we won here in December. I was like pleasantly surprised. It's like, but there's one thing we have to mention, guys. It's like, what the fuck is going on with John Sewer? <laughs> because oh, goodness, that's possibly the worst half I have seen from him, and. That's partly a testament to John Sewer because he's been a brilliant player for Hearts. But my God, has has he been out on the lash? Not the night before the, but the this morning. I I, <laughs> I love Craig Levine's quotes. Said to John Sutter, "Hey John, you got a number for John Sutter? Because I don't know where he's gone." <laughs> and it's, it's simple. It's, it's genius. It's just like WTF. What was that? And I'm thinking. You know when you watch a kind of a high shot on on TV, and you're not quite sure who's maybe played the pass, and you think, well, it's, it's obviously not John. Su- Shit, it is John Suter, <laughs> and it kept going on. It just continued so much better in the second half. I don't know. Maybe the the speculation, recent speculation about Derby and others has turned his head, or or whatever. It shouldn't. And the the biggest thing for me was we we got the real John Suter back in the second half. If if we didn't, then I'd be worried. I'm not at all. That was just one of those things. Yeah, it happens. I mean, like you say, if, if it happens in a regular occurrence, um, you get concerned. Uh, but even the best, you know, you, you can watch great footballers have absolute nightmares some games. And like anything in in whatever profession you, you do, you, you're going to have nightmares sometimes, whether it's doing commentary of a game or it's at the office or, or whatever it is, you're going to have a nightmare. And he settled himself, which is the main thing. I guess the only other thing I wanted to mention from the first half, now Jake Mulraney, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on Jake Mulraney because I liked him in the first half. I, I, he can have his his issues. You know, he still needs to add that bit of quality. <laughs> Can't we all? But he almost had a, a David Templeton moment in front of the famous five stand when he basically danced through half of the Hibs team. And um, his shot in the end, it was fairly routine for Ophir Marciano in the Hibs goal, but I thought it was brilliant. And yeah, he, he flits in and out of games and he sometimes makes the wrong decision, but I just like having someone in the team who gets out wide, he has a bit of pace, he gets the ball in the box and he takes on players. But interesting, I spoke to um, Paul Mitchell at halftime and he's like, well, I thought Mulraney was really poor first half, to be fair. Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts, because I'm, you know, I'm not saying overall he had a brilliant half, and obviously that one run doesn't necessarily make a, a great game, but I just like him in the team just now. 
Yes, I like him in the team, and I think there's a decent chance he starts the cup final. I'm not sure I like him at left wing back. But something that was tweaked, from what we saw, and I want to give Kilmarnock away as an example, and it's a game we won. However, Chris Burke, I thought, had the freedom of the right flank in the first 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. In that game, Mulraney was left wing back, and Berra was left centre back, and, and Berra... I thought Berra was outstanding by the way at Easter Road. And was yes. it because they moved him into the centre? Because I don't like Berra on the left of a three and Mulraney as a left wing back. I think if I'm an opposition manager, that's the area I'm targeting. Uh, Shognasi was, was fine. He was, he was solid enough. I, I just I thought the biggest thing for me here that maybe allowed Mulraney a bit more freedom was better as the centre-back, the, the middle of the three centre-backs with Shaughnessy on the left and Mulraney as left wing-back. I'm not the biggest fan of Mulraney as a left wing-back. I would prefer him as a left midfielder or a left winger as part of a four, in front of a four behind him. Um, I just I want him to be someone who doesn't have to worry too much about defending. Certainly needs to track back. But when you play left wing back, in essence, you're playing two positions. You're playing a forward player and you're playing a defending player. One that has to get back and help, one that has to get back with balls over the top, and one that has to get forward and run. I think he's tricky. I think he's a confidence player. I think right now he's, he's showing a heck of a lot of confidence. Um, he deserves his spot in the team. But I would take it with a pinch of salt, him playing at a left wing back, uh, because I do prefer him as a, a left midfielder so that he, he can have more focus on getting forward as opposed to, oh, shit, I need to get back. Yeah, to be fair to Levine, I think the last two occasions we've played a back three, he has moved Berra into the centre and used Shocknessy and um, Suter as the players either side, which I, I, I totally agree. What Berra has struggled with, certainly since he's come back from injury, is doesn't look like he has the same pace that he, he had previous probably not quite set um not quite settled after his injury um and he's struggled when players have been running at him i guess coming from the flanks so i think it's made sense and he was he was brilliant i thought um held things together even when his usually uh, reliable central defensive partner kind of had a nightmare in the first half so uh, very unfortunate with the own goal as well I guess moving on to the second half, um, I think a lot of it came from the fact that, like you've already highlighted, Mark, um, Harry Cochran and Connor Smith started to fade and started to tire a little because they hadn't been playing this sort of tempo, this sort of intensity of a game recently. And Hibbs did start to get control of the game. They had the penalty, which um, Uche himself said was a penalty. Not a whole lot in it, but he said he caught him. Fair enough. Um, thankfully, Mark McNulty hit a pretty poor penalty. But when Hibbs went ahead, which was just before the 70-minute mark, um, you kind of felt it was coming. They weren't battering us by any stretch, but the pressure was building. They were getting more of the ball, and we'd sort of ran out of steam a little. So I thought at that point, Hibbs would have felt like goal was coming. We've started to get the game by the scuff of the neck, and it had a little feeling of, here we go again. It was unlucky for Berra. There was not much he could do. It was well worked by Hibbs. It was the right thing for Horgan to do, drill it in low, either a defender has to try and get a touch to it, or McNulty in the back post is probably going to touch it in. So at that point, it did feel like they've got themselves ahead, we're going to, strug we're going to struggle now. 
what I was going to get on to is the fact that Craig Levine deserves a lot of credit for how he changed the game. Ryan Edwards came on just before the goal, and Oli Bozanic and Steve McLean came on just after it. And that kind of swung the game a little bit, because without those changes, you, you, you got the feeling Hibs probably would have edged that game out. Yeah, I don't. I know you've kind of given me an upbeat tempo to, to this, because you got a point, <laughs> or we got a point that that maybe we didn't think we were going to get. And, and that, that's been something that I've certainly experienced commentating at Easter Road, gone into many games over the years and thought, what's the point? Why am I even bothering here? Because we're not going to win. And we've not won. We might have got a point. Or in other cases, we, we have won. And I don't know how we've done that. Um, Ryan Edwards, is, what, how long has it taken him to make his, his debut? Ten months? <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, almost <laughs> the entire season, yeah. Yeah, that's a weird one. I just think we're talking about all these players who, at best for me, are squad players if they're lucky next season. And it's hard because you made a comment last week, and I thought it was a very pertinent comment, about five minutes left in the cup final and it's nil-nil. It's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be a good season or a dreadful season, and it depends. And if that goal hadn't been scored by Uche, we would have been in kind of full attack mode today because there was a fair bit of frustration before Hearts got themselves back into the game but I thought the, the substitutions were good I mean it, it all depends on which way you want to look at this if your glass is half full or your glass <laughs> is half empty there's been too often of late in this podcast our glass has been half empty but for, for good reason as well so you can look at it like that and you can say well some of these players I mean are they even going to be part of it next season or you can look at it and say there's youngsters coming through um, like uh, Connor Smith and, and Harry Corkin got a run out. I have to say, I thought Stephen McLean really, really impressed me since yeah. when he came on. I thought he was outstanding. I thought he really helped Uche, and it was no surprise um, that he was involved in the equaliser. I thought he, he was smart. And, and maybe we found Stephen McLean's role because many clubs over the years, David Fairclough was a prime example at Liverpool. I'm not comparing at all Fairclough to to McLean. I'm just saying some players have a role that maybe isn't a starter. And maybe at his age right now, maybe Stephen McLean for 20 minutes at the end of a game is what we need. It might not be everybody's cup of tea, but I thought we we had a right good hold of the game. I thought we were smarter in possession. He's a clever player, Stephen McLean. Say what you, you, you like about him. It might not be everyone's cup of tea. However, for the 18 minutes he was on, I thought he was um, integral to the way that Hearts played. I thought they were they just played smarter. And I think Uche really appreciated um, the help from Stephen McLean after he came on for Sean Clare um, in 72 minutes. And, also, and obviously Stephen McLean's key involvement, his, his big contribution was shoving over Lewis Stevenson after he had a little dig at Uche. That was his... Oh, well, he got an assist as well, but you know what I mean. There was a wee kick out as well, wasn't there? <laughs> It was, from, it was from Stevenson. I mean, look, on, on, on another day, on another day, they, they probably would have beaten us. They missed penalty um, by by McNulty, but but they didn't. And look, I know there's still three points of a gap with three games to go. It's pretty much four points with the goal difference as well. Our season now is all about the cup final. Mm-hmm. Anything I think we get now is a bonus. And I, and I said prior to the Rangers game, I wanted to see things. Players have got an opportunity here to to not grab a cup final spot, but certainly to enter the discussion as far as Craig Levine will have um, with his coaching staff ahead of the cup final. 
that X player should be in contention. And it's a great incentive and it's up to the players to take it. It's also up to the manager to, to and the coaching staff to get that point over. They shouldn't have to. Players can't be that thick. I mean, what an opportunity. That The, the David Templeton interview with Cy Ferry, um, sorry, the, the Gary Locke interview with uh, Cy Ferry and the David Templeton one, Templeton wasn't stripped in 2012. And Gary Locke went on to explain in a later episode of the podcast with Cy Ferry, they just felt Suzo was was a better option that day. Uh, and as a result, Templeton wasn't even in the, I think it would have been, was it five subs or seven subs back then? Because there's only recently... Still, I think it was still yeah, five. Yeah, I think it was five as well. So, so, so Templeton missed out. And to this day, that still rankles. I mean, he kind of still celebrated, but he didn't really feel part of it. If that's that's a story for me, I can tell my players. Um, if I'm Craig Levine or, or whoever, say, look, I don't care how well you're doing. I'm talking about the fringe players because people, the players know if they think they're going to start. I'm, I'm talking about the guys that would have doubts in their own mind about whether they're going to start. Could they maybe be on the bench? That story is a great one. Look, even if you think you're you're going to do it, don't take anything for granted. Templeton didn't take things for granted, but he was pissed off, and now he realizes maybe I've done a little bit more or, or whatever. There's always the hindsight aspect. Don't wait and then say, I wish I could have done a little bit more. Do a little bit more now in the hope that it gets you into the, the manager's thinking for the cup final. That's going to be the incentive going forward in these last three games before we go to Hamden. And just to finish up in the derby, I mean, I know Hearts weren't great, but I actually thought they deserved a share of the spoils overall. In the game, I thought they started the better. Look no, I disagree. Look at the stats, even possession. Same oh, amount of shots. No, nah, don't give me stats. Same stats, amount of shots on nothing. goal. I mean, I... Possession's bollocks because you can have seventy-five percent of the ball and not cross cross halfway. I, I get that, so, but both teams had the same amount of shots on goal, and I thought Hearts at the end. I, see, after we leveled that last um, six minutes plus what three added, so last nine or ten minutes, I thought it looked like Hearts would be the team to go and win. I, I was a bit disappointed we didn't have more time, so I. I I get what you're saying, but Hibbs didn't. I think what did Bobby Slamal make? He made one decent save, he made two saves overall, um, and Marciano made two saves that pop into my head. So where's the where's this massive difference in how the two teams did? No, I get I get what you're saying. All I'm all I'm I'm saying to you is how you play in a derby doesn't matter. Hearts didn't, in my opinion, Hearts didn't deserve to lose the game at Tynecastle, yet they did, because Hibs were more clinical with less of the ball. Mm-hmm. I, and, and we said that. We, we said that. Yeah, we, we did. Uh, uh, the fact that Hearts finished strongly is, is something that could be used in your favour. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the bit in the middle, I mean, look, we've scored for them, we've given them a penalty, and they haven't taken advantage because they, they've missed it. And, and in between... I th- to be honest, I thought McNulty was was very quiet. Yeah, throughout. he was he was uh, poor. He was poor. Yeah, he he, he was, and and um, Camberry, this kind of playing off the left. I just thought they, I thought their arguments of of deserving to win the game are far stronger than ours. But we're not arguing that Hearts deserve to win the game. You're arguing that a draw was a fair result. It look again, it's complete subjectivity. Um, on the balance of play, Hibs probably deserve to win it. But as I've said, I don't care because they didn't and we move on. And it's a it's an unbeaten season at Easter Road. And I think that's something that we can uh, 
we can take take from from this season. There isn't too much to take after the first probably eight weeks of the season or so. But that is certainly something. And if, if you'd offered us an unbeaten season at Easter Road prior to the season beginning, every Hearts fan would have taken that. Moving on, last week, Mr Donaldson brought up the subject of your favourite kits, or not even necessarily your your favourite kits, but kits that stand out in your in your memory, whether they were particularly good or particularly bad. Now I hand over to Mark Donaldson, who has a round-robin, knockout, World Cup-style competition uh, going through the different hearts shirts that we have been uh, given as suggestions. Yeah, because last week's homework was to come up with quirky idiosyncrasies that your favourite player may or may not have had over the years. And as a result, we had a we had a mention about John Colhoun tucking his shirt in at the front and not at the back. And it got me thinking about this week's homework. Was jerseys your favourite one or you're just your most memorable one? So what I've done is I've come up with 32 jerseys over the years. And what Laurie and I are going to do is we're going to have a quick World Cup. So I'm going to give you a choice of two. Um, and then I'll pick the next one and then vice versa. So your first choice is between the championship home kit and the 2017-18 home kit. So last year's home kit or the championship home kit. You can choose what wins this one. That's a tough one because I really like both those shirts. They were highlighted by quite a few different people as well. I'm just looking through the people who liked that one. I'd have to go with the championship one. I really liked last season's home shirt, which of course was maroon and had the nice collar. But the championship one with the old style badge, even just the Adidas stripes, which uh, look good, but they're not overbearing. Just liked it. No sponsor as well. I thought it was great for that season coming out of administration. Everything behind it as well. A hundred years after that team that went to war um, had a lot of meaning. And um, Lord Caldars, uh, that was his favourite. A fairly recent strip piece is the 14-15 championship winning strip. The Adidas Maroon was just the perfect shade. No sponsor, understated collar, an old badge will take some beating. Jamie Devlin also highlighted that as one of his favourites. Um, Fraser Monteith did say the 17-18 Don Cowie of Team Handsome modelling uh, was one of his favourites. <laughs> and It's a close one. I had both those shirts, but it has to be the championship one. Okay. That championship kit is the first kit through to the round of 16 in the Hearts World Cup kit challenge. The second first round tie is the 97-98 away jersey, the cup final kit versus the foundation of Hearts kit with the names on it. So this is my one. And as much as I wish to pay a nod to uh, all of us who invest um, however much money every single month towards the foundation of Hearts, I think having a jersey is enough because I don't think it's enough to beat a jersey in 97-8, which was something which will go down in history because most of us hadn't seen Hearts win a trophy. So 97-8 beats the cup final and uh, beats Foundation of Hearts jersey. Yeah, Preston, Pan, Preston Pan's heart said this will forever be my favourite away strip. How can anyone say otherwise? It looks good and we won the cup wearing it and he also shared a photo with us of John Robertson hand on heart wearing mm. that jersey holding 
the Scottish Cup aloft with the maroon and white ribbons. A wonderful image. And I have to say, Mark, th- this is this is a tough first draw. These are these are like oh. the Brazils against France and Italy against Spain and such like. This yep. is this is tough. I w- it, 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 it was very difficult. It was drawn in, in a random process, uh, overseen by our adjudicator Rod Stewart. Um, <laughs> it was it was all done fairly. So we have two through to the second round. Your one next up: eighty-five, eighty-six home versus eighty-six, eighty-seven Bukta home with the collar. Oh, okay. I, I should probably have these in front of me, shouldn't I? You should. It would it would help. <laughs> <laughs> um, t- tell, explain to me the differences because th- these don't pop in my okay. head like with yours. Because 80, the... eighty-five, eighty-six home was the mitre, not mitre copiers, because copiers was only added in eighty-seven, eighty-eight. I can picture um, the eighty-five, eighty-five, eighty-six one, but yeah, I mean, it, it was. We, we all know the, the the silver one that unfortunately yeah. was our downfall in the cup final and and whatever. It was basically the home version of that. It was just a classic V-neck. Um, Umbro jersey with Mita okay, okay. and the old school badge, and then the following year was Bukta. Um, it's kind of synonymous, I think, with the long sleeves with the mm-hmm. the, the V neck plus the collar. Normally, with a collar, you don't get a V neck uh, on a lot of the jerseys that we've had. We've had studs, we've had buttons, we've had various things. That was just a pure open V neck with a collar. So back to back years, but only one can go through to the next round. Okay. Well, Hart's shirt collector got in touch and said it brings back great memories of terracing and a terrific team. And he shared um, a number three Bukta shirt from that season. And I think I'm going to put that one through mainly because I do like a collar on a Hart's shirt. And that one had the collar. Okay. I think that's a good answer. Again, with the first three ties that we've had, I think um, there wasn't really a wrong answer. Next. Pony 95 to 97 home against the 89-90 Bukta home with the V collar. Not the, sorry, with the V neck, not the V collar. I'm going to go with the Pony one here um, from 95 to 97. That, that was the only kind of period that they sponsored us. It kind of had the the light shade of maroon and the dark shade of maroon Um vertical stripes uh sponsored by strongbow just a classic just a classic so i'm putting that through so that's the first four through so pony 95 to 97 home is going through to the round of 16 okay your next one and you better pick right here because there's only one answer <laughs> oh it's a oh it's a, it's a toughie it's a toughie the draw is, is not being kind on these two because these are two of the favorites but they come together in the first round 96 League Cup final, dark maroon. The only time we ever wore it, and they spent years after that trying to get that same colour of that maroon and couldn't find it. Against the black and the blue striped Asics kit, the away one. This is this is um, an interesting one because both of these kits have come up with quite a few people. And I'm going to um, do some filibustering here. Um, and just Thomas Crook, a good friend of mine, he posted that the away kit, the Inter Milan style one. I take your meaning the 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 black and, and blue. Yeah, yeah, I do. You you you're also while you're doing filibustering, you're also allowed a mulligan, so you can swap it for a random kit if you want both of them through. I can move because I think this is a harsh first round draw for these two. It's ninety three, ninety four. Did you say that one? 
Which one? The away. Essex away? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's yeah. the Inter Milan strip. So I'm offering you the opportunity, basically, take this, because the bottom half of the draw is shit. And it's, it's a, it's a top-heavy draw, this. So I'm saying to you, um, take this opportunity to play your mulligan card. You're only allowed one mulligan card, and you can move one of those two strips down to the bottom half of the draw to give it a clearer path to the final and replace it with just a random, generic, normal hearts kit. You want to take that chance? I think I'm going to, because Whitburn Hearts also adds uh, about the away one, the Inter Milan. This is my all-time favourite heart stop. It was the first one I bought myself. It, I was a wee guy and got my face circled in the old pink newspaper and won money off it. And this is what I used the money to buy. There's been two mention of both of these because... Um, we've also had messages about that cup final. Kit Amoruso lets it run, says 96 League Cup final strip is my favourite. Also had a strange affection for the Neil Berry testimonial kit. And Ian Veach even mentions both of these. He says the 96 final strip is best, but the Inter Milan style away is brilliant also. Too too many mentions for them both. So I, I'm going to take that option. I'm going to take it. Good. Take the mulligan. I, I, I think you have to. That, that was a, a horrible first round time. That was a... That was a Rangers-Celtic first-round time. One of them gets knocked <laughs> out. It was a Hearts-Hibs first-round time. The, the, I, the authorities don't want that draw. They would have made sure there was a warm, a warm ball in that. So, so what, we've do, what we've done is 96 League Cup final has moved through to the next round to beat the generic normal Hearts kit, which was never going to win anyway. And now down to the bottom of the draw with a clear path to the final is the black and blue Inter Milan early to mid-90s jersey. Okay, we continue. This is a good one. 85-86 away, which was the silver one, mm-hmm. or the Neil Berry testimonial kit, sponsored by 4th FM, which the 4th FM All-Stars, or Stars went on to wear. So I had to get, I think, a double X back, at the, back in the day. It was a nice jersey. It was a tartan maroon, and it was pretty rare. But 85-86... I know it wasn't the best for results, but it was a classic jersey. It was a classic jersey. So it goes through to the <laughs> next round. What are, you, what are you laughing at? What's wrong? It's fucking awful. Well, hey, it's, it's not going to win. It's, it's not going to win. It's hideous. I'm, honestly, it's a classic. I had to look. You know the, what? I had to look this one up because I saw it mentioned by someone. I looked up and I was like, Jesus, did. Which one, the Neil Berry or the silver one? No, no, not the silver, the Neil Berry one. Oh, I thought, I thought, I thought you meant the silver one. Did you stitch that yourself? <laughs> I know, the stitches came undone when I pulled it over my head. To be fair, your friend Foxer Oscar did say the greatest away is that um, the silver silver shirt. Yes. Um, maroon shorts. I th- and it is the, yeah, he, he's posted it in that 85-86 season, the Umbro with Robbo wearing it. And that is, that's a good one. I like that one, but I, I'm not okay. ha- I'm not having that. That abomination of a... It's out. First round exit. Um, it's, it's, it's done a Ronnie O'Sullivan. It was expected to go far by many. Not. And it's out. Um, so by Neil Berry's testimonial kit. And onwards, 85-86. The Bacta away kit with the candy stripes like that one. Oh, this is a good first round tie. Against the 77-79 to 79 Umbro with the long sleeves home kit with the Umbro badges all down the side of the arms. It's a okay. toughie. Okay. What are you so, going for? So, this is a tough one because Fox Oscar also says greatest home is the one you've highlighted, which I think it was it was, it was worn for years, was it not, that one? Yeah. Late yeah. 70s to early, like four or five years. It, 
It, it was. It was 77 to 79. It was just a plain um, umbral badge with no writing underneath it and the heart's kit. And then from 79 to 82, just a little tweak. Um, the only tweak it looks like was the words umbral were written under the badge. So okay. in essence, Five it was the same kit from, yeah. from 77 to 82. Yeah, so that is up against... A Tricky opponent in the first round, the the Bukta away kit with the candy stripes. But Jimmy Sanderson, I believe, wore with pride at uh, at Pitodri one day with his perm when yeah. he did that. Did he not do some sort of silly high five dance with Scott? Oh, after the yeah. Goal? Well, this one is this. So we're looking at the one. Is this the one that they wore away to Bayern as well, or was that just yes, a similar similar design? Cause that's the one. That's Simi, because yeah, Simi mentioned this one. Said if the club release a strip similar to this, it would fly off the shelves. An absolute topper of an away kit worn away to Bayern, um, and then Billy Steedman went on to say. Uh, it's his favourite away kit. Two great trips up to Pataudry that season. 3-1 and 2-2. The beach end was rammed. Great memories. Yes, so the 2-2 is the game you're thinking of where Jimmy Sanderson got a rare goal. That's the one. His only goal that wasn't against Motherwell for Hearts, incidentally. And, <laughs> and he did. Uh, uh, he and Scott Crabb did a ridiculous high-fiving dance routine. Um, That's right. After scoring. And he's told me the reason for that was uh, they used to give Robbo stick because he couldn't celebrate. He said he was terrible at celebrating, great at scoring, but he just ran off every time, arm in the air, said it was crap. So, so him and Crabbo used to give him stick in the dressing room, say, you need to mix it up. There's nothing, there's no creativity, nothing exciting. So he said that they, it was from um, an American football team at the time. He's told me which one, but I don't follow NFL, so wouldn't know. But he said he'd seen some of their players doing a similar routine. So they were trying to teach Robbo the routine to try and get him to do it because Jimmy Sanderson obviously couldn't hit a barn door normally in the final third. But surprise, surprise, he actually got a goal. So he and Crabbo did the routine that they were trying to get Robbo to do. So that's that's where it came from. Basically, Jimmy and uh, Scott Crabb trying to teach Robbo how to celebrate better. <laughs> but does the jersey beat the long-sleeved cracker from Umbro from the late 70s, early 80s? For me, it doesn't. Um, okay. It's interesting. It's different. It has a. It looks a little bit naff to me, to be honest. It, oh, wow. <laughs> maybe I'm being harsh, but that one just. I, I love that home. It's got a picture of Jim Jeffries, and I love how Jim Jeffries' face doesn't change too much when he gets. You know, <laughs> bet, you know between you know some people between you know being twenty thirty to being fifty sixty, he looks so different. But I like how Jim yeah. Je- Jim Jeffries kind of just looks like you've just moved long young person seventies hair to. <laughs> <laughs> just looks just I've, looks the same. I think that's a that's a really good point, and that's going to be part of the homework for oh. next week. Oh, it's going to be part of the homework for next week. Remind me, I've got a good one for this okay. because the other person, the other person who has has been like Peter Pan <laughs> and has grown older but has never looked like he's 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 aged at all is the former Dundee United goalkeeper, now Kilmarnock goalkeeping coach, Billy Thompson. Billy has the same good looks he had when he was in, in goal for Dundee United. He's got the blonde hair. He's not lost any of it. The bastard. And still <laughs> looks like he did when he played. So, yeah, get back to me at the end about the homework. I've got a good homework for, for this one um, for next week. So, we now have a final place in the round of 16 in the top half available. 
and it is the Öztürk Argentina kit at Easter Road, the away kit that he scored that. He did score that wonderful goal in that jersey, didn't he? He did. You yes. commentated. Thank you. That takes on a, a, an understated but a pretty nice jersey, the Reebok away white with grey, which I liked. Mm-hmm. But there's no danger that Alim Öztürk's jersey is not winning that first round tie. So we have our final top eight in the top half, which we will revisit shortly. Okay, bottom half of the draw, eight more required. Laurie Dunsar's shout. Hearts went to Ibrox in 72-73 before either of us were born. Donald Ford scored a goal, and we wore a wonderful Ajax-styled jersey, white and maroon. Mm -hmm. That takes on the Umbro away white and blue kit. It's got to be the Ajax one. I've, okay. I, I, I've, I've seen it in I've seen it in videos. Are you thinking the Umbro away 2010-11? which was similar. I think we had a similar kit for for two. No, 2011-12 wouldn't have been. That would have been the dark. It must have been twenty. It must have been twenty ten eleven. Aye, twenty eleven twelve was the. Two was the Wonga dark, which I liked as well, the pink and, and, and dark blue. Well, that's, in fact, while, while you're there, we'll, we'll go off script. Um, <laughs> that That is the next tie. The 11-12 Wonga away blue pink takes on the Texaco Cup 1971 white and maroon stripes. You can have this one. I'm having this one, am I? You can have it, cause you, just because you mentioned it. Okay. Um, now, the... Texaco Cup one. Now, this is one I actually, I think I'd seen a clip before, but if you just told me that Texaco Cup um, shirt, it would have immediately jumped out. But uh, Christopher Macbeth got in touch and said the Texaco Cup final strip from 71 was was superb. Would love to get hands on it. And it had the two teams coming out. So it's it's not quite pinstripe like the one we mentioned before but with Sanderson wearing it. Yeah, it's thicker, thicker stripes. Isn't quite it? slightly thicker stripes. So you've got like a full five stripes I think I like the look of that to be fair and I did like the change kit for 2011-12 difficult anything that's got Wonga plastered on it Um, (laughs) so partly for that reason and partly because it it looks a bit classier that 71 final kit, I'm going with the 71 final kit Again I didn't think there was a a bad answer there, okay so Texas will cut through Okay, Ukiyo Bank is home with the white collar made by Umbro which was nice it was nice. Against the Pony Away kit with blue and white stripes, which I think we wore at Hamden when we beat Aberdeen in the Scottish Cup semi-final. Do you remember the, the Pony Away with the blue and white stripes? I do, yes, I do. I think it was it Hearts Away when I first started watching the Jambos, actually. But um... Okay, it wins. So it, it's through to the next round. Okay. I should say, just right now, We'll probably have to do the end of this round and then continue it next week, because otherwise we'll... We might, oh, we, get some, we might get some no, more thoughts will. on it as well, if we just finish the first round and then you can give us summary of what kits are there and then... Indeed, the, the, this is this is taking us to the end of the season. We're not okay. going to reveal... Okay. We're, we'll reveal it in our, the winner, the winning kit in the Hearts World Cup um, showdown will be revealed in our final show of our final podcast of the season. So this... This week is just the the 32 kits down to 16. Otherwise, 
Um, I'll miss my commentary this afternoon, and we might miss the game this weekend as well if we keep going <laughs> like this. Okay, your turn. The Buck to Grey awake at Miller Holmes, which was nice, against the 82-83 Alexander's home with a wide V-neck. What are you going for? I've not got an image of the away one in front of me. What are we talking? What what year did you say that one? Sorry, it is it's early nineties, nineteen ninety one, away kit. So the home kit had the collar. I've got the home. Um, kit. I've got a list of home kits. I don't have the away kits in front of me. Yeah, so the the away kits the away kit is very similar. Uh, it's just funky. I had the collar, um, and it was it was grey with flecks. Had the Miller Holmes badge. Oh, I, I think I know which one you mean. Um, it was one of my first away kits that I owned. Go with it. Go go with the away. Go with the away. Okay, Buck to Grey away. It's a good choice. Okay, next up, ninety-seven eight home Olympic collar. So yep. the same one as we wore in the cup final, but the home version against nineteen. Uh, sorry, twenty sixteen seventeen Puma home with a round neck. Now, as much as I like the home in 97-8, I, I wear heart shirts around the house. And I, I think I wear the 2016-17 Puma home kit with a round neck more than any other jersey. So that might be a bit of an upset in the first round. But I'm knocking out the home kit in 97-8 with the collar made by Olympic. And the Puma jersey is going through. Your next one, the admirable, uh, the admirable, the admiral <laughs> home kit from ninety-one-two mm-hmm. against the nineteen-ninety-three Dundee yellow kit that was worn for only the the one time at Dens Park. <laughs> oh, it's horrible as well, isn't it? But um, uh, I have to say, I'm not a big fan of either of these kits. Um, but I think I'm going to make the yellow one like the grease. Of this, oh, tournament. the Dundee yellow goes through. I'm going to put it through purely because I don't like it, but purely because it's just different. It's you know how can that not be through? It needs to get through. Put it through. There's a lot. This the bottom half is the upsets because Puma knocking off the Olympic from '97-8 was an upset, but Dundee yellow taking an admiral that's that's a big upset. Nearly there, Olympic away kit. With the maroon thin stripes against the Renault home from eighty four eighty five, I've already knocked out Olympic. Do they get? Th- no, they don't. I like the Renault jersey, um, and that's the first kit I ever bought. So that's getting through. Uh, Renault eighty four five beats Olympic away, and then finally, <laughs> I think there's a clear path to the final here. Do you remember our Mulligan from earlier, uh, our black yeah. and blue Inter Milan jersey? Yep. That has got. Possibly, it's a one to one hundred chance in this tie, because it's been drawn against quite simply anything by Erea. I thought you were going to say the Rosebery kit. That is, did that not even qualify? No one's got it apart from the Hearts Museum, and that, that probably deserves to win the whole thing. So um, that that's not there. So anything by Erea. And if you remember last week, it's akin to the tracing paper toilet paper that you had <laughs> at school. That just It was just, the, there's porous jerseys, there's breathable jerseys, and there's stuff, it's like wrapping yourself in tin foil. So does the black and blue into, does the black and blue into Milan Hearts Awake it beat anything by area? Of course it does, comfortably. There we go. 
Thank you. So that is the first round concluded. We are through to the round of 16, of which I will email you over all the winners. These are the teams and the kits that are through. The championship winning strip will face in round of 16, the 97-98 Cup Final team strip. Then the 86-87 Bukta home kit with the collar will face the pony kit from 95 through 97 home jersey. The dark maroon 96 League Cup final jersey up against the silver of 85-86. The 77-79-82 umbral long sleeve jersey will face the Alim Uzturk Argentina kit from Easter Road. The Ajax 72-73 will face the Tego, this is retro, the Texaco Cup strip from 1971. The Pony away with the blue and white will face the Bukta Grey away kit with the Miller Homes. The 16-17 Puma Home will face the Greece 1993 Dundee <laughs> Yellow European Championship winners. And the Renault 84-85 Home will face black and blue Inter Milan. So what we'll do, and again, there's no point in us even conversing beforehand because we always go rogue, one of us usually goes rogue. So what, how about this? What we do is we invite our listeners to choose the winners of this. Why don't we do a poll mm-hmm. yeah. using the Scarves Around the Funnel, uh, the Funnel podcast mm-hmm. uh, Twitter account. And over the next seven days, once this is published, we will give you the chance to vote on each of the two. We'll maybe keep them up. What we've got, we've got 16 teams through. So we've got eight ties to be played. So we could do that for, for next week, couldn't yeah. we? Yeah, we'll do there that. We we'll, we'll put it out on the Twitter account at Around the Funnel. So we'll do uh, votes on the winners. So a poll um, on Twitter for each of those round of 16 uh, matchups. And then we can talk about it next week. And we can also get some feedback and some comments about it as well from, from the listeners via Twitter. And we can give you pictures of each as well to help yes. you with your decision. Don't that, say we're not good to you. Yeah, that would have been nice for me beforehand. okay moving on we've spent a lot of time speaking about strips which was good fun so thank you for putting the work in mark it's a nice change um cheeky bastard but it's only taking me till the till the start of may to actually do something rather than just sit in my fat arse and answer questions that you pose, so uh, yeah, I feel, I feel feel like I've done so. I've contributed for once. <laughs> you said it, not me. Um, before we get on to the last part of the show, now, I'm usually quite good at um, looking through comments we get and the email account, but um, sometimes I forget to mention things. Um, one thing was, um, a few weeks back, I was in the pub. It was actually after the Hibs defeat, and um, a guy came up to me and just said, how much he enjoyed listening to the show, and I, I appreciated that because, you know, we're we're a, we're, a, we're a small podcast. We're not a big operation. We cater to the Hearts fans specifically, obviously. Um, but it was uh, Scott Ramsey was was his name, and he used to travel up. I think he recently just moved to Edinburgh, and he's working in Edinburgh. But he was uh, to and from Lossiemouth for a while. He was in the RAF, and he said it was great to have a at least an hour every week that he could pass the time within the car listening to uh, Mark and myself talking nonsense so nice guy it was very good to chat to him so i appreciate scott coming up and saying hello um i also want to say kenny bell who i've also met for a drink who's 
closer to, to your neck of the woods. He's from Montana. Um, had a pint with him after the game last season. He's messaged a couple of times directly to the Around the Funnel Twitter account. I'm bad for not looking at the direct messages and looking just at the tweets we get. So apologies that I didn't pick up on a couple of the messages you sent, Kenny, about some of the homework um, some of the homework we've put out there and other things. So just a shout out to Scott and Kenny, a couple of uh, Good Hearts fans who tune into the show. So if anyone does want to drop us a message, feel free. Um, you've probably just noticed from that that you're better doing it just to the public um, uh, direct, rather than direct messages on Twitter. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, and we appreciate any feedback we get. And that's good or negative. Um, thankfully, it's usually good that we get. But constructive criticism is welcomed as well. And I have a confession to make. Go on. Dear Father Laurie, forgive me for I have sinned. <laughs> I have booked flights to come over for the Scottish Cup final. Well, that is that is not a that's not a bad confession. You how how could you not? How could you resist? The the hoops I've had to jump through because it's the final day, a final weekend of the Serie A season, and um, yeah, just. I could League Cup finals are different. I wasn't there for the last League Cup final when St. Mirren beat us, and I'm glad I wasn't. But I didn't feel like I was missing that. Even if we'd won, I was prepared. And, and, and to be fair, we were expected to win that, although we didn't. I was prepared for that and just to celebrate from afar. On the off chance, the Hearts did do something against Celtic. And I don't, I'm, I'm traveling over with very little expectation. I just, there were a few things. Um, after it became clear that it would be possible, and I didn't think initially it would be, I kind of thought, is it is it worth a hassle? Because flight prices are really expensive, blah, blah, blah. But I thought, you know what? I don't know how many more cup finals that Hearts will get. And you can't take it for granted that you'll get to a cup final. We've been fortunate in, in recent history. We've actually been to a few, but there's no guarantees that happens. And I just wanted to go to a cup final with my parents. And they took me to games and I just, so my mum and mum and dad have, have got me ticket. Well, they've got them tickets and I've managed to get a, a ticket as well alongside them. So we're going to sit together, the three of us. Um, we might not have too much to shout about, but I just think it was worth going to that effort um, to fly over to, to watch the game with mum and dad. I completely understand. You can't, we don't, we don't have enough of these days, these days out to take them for granted, I suppose. So, Maybe maybe we'll try and fit in a Scarves Around the Funnel celebratory live recording, in-person recording. You never know. Possibly. It's just the whole the whole Scottish Cup final thing. It was always a big, a, a great experience as a fan. I was there for my first one in 1986. Had to wait a while to get to another one in 1996 and got thumped 5-1. So you're kind of thinking, is this ever going to be the case? Then 98 was still the greatest cup final ever. And just beating the Hibs game because it was our first and I didn't think we'd ever win it. Then Gretna was kind of total favourites and somehow nearly screwed it up, but avoided that. So that was a different type of celebration, although still good. 90, uh, sorry, 2012 was, was phenomenal. Uh, it was up there because it'll never happen again, probably playing Hibs in a cup final in our lifetime. Uh, and to thump them 5-1. So that was... It's difficult to say it wasn't as good. It was up there. It was still brilliant to do. Um, but 98 was still special. So we've had a lot. And thankfully, I've seen more victories 
in cup finals um, than defeats by three to two. So, you know what? Even if it levels up at three all, just to get to a cup final, it's special. It's special. And it reignites the heart support that were not dormant, but frustrated. And it gives them something to look forward to come the end of the season. Finally, this week, we'll have a quick look ahead to Hearts' upcoming fixture, which is the final home game of the season against Kilmarnock on Saturday, the 4th of May, which is known as Star Wars Day uh, these days. Sixth against fourth, um, Hearts three points behind Hibs, seven behind Kilmarnock, so certainly hopes of a top four spot pretty much gone for the Jambos. Killy just three behind Aberdeen, though they've got better goal difference as well, and Aberdeen plays Celtic on Saturday lunchtime, so maybe a chance for Kilmarnock possibly to keep their hopes of a top three spot alive. Um, last time we played on Star Wars Day, um, obviously and it immediately jumped to my head because it was also against Kilmarnock, it was also at Tyne Castle, May the 4th, 2014. Already relegated and still in administration hearts, won 5-0 against Kilmarnock. Ryan Stevenson with a hat-trick, Billy King and Callum Patterson with others, five up by the hour mark. And a great game, and I remember it very well. And do you expect something similar? No. <laughs> I didn't think you would. No. Um, that, that Kilmarnock game in 2014, we also beat Kilmarnock, was it between Christmas and New Year? Over the last few years, you, you remember that you commented on it. That would have been. I, I, I did. That was bizarrely. That was my last game at Tynecastle. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. that was under yeah. Ian. It was Ian Cathro. Was that what? his first win? Actually, I think it was his, Ian Cathro's first win. Was it five nil? Four nil, I believe. Four nil. Let's have a look. So that it would have been December. It was just there you go. 20, yeah, 27th of December, 2016. Callum Patterson, Arnold Jume, two from Jamie Walker. That was my last game at Tynecastle. It's just, I didn't go to to uh, to Scotland at all in, in 2018, obviously the, the birth of our daughter. And 2017, I went to Murrayfield. I saw, so the last twice I've seen Hearts have been against Kilmarnock. The Murrayfield game was uh, 2-1. They scored late on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but I didn't get to, to Tynecastle uh, on that trip because they were still trying to finish the main stand. So, bizarrely, the last time I saw Hearts at Tynecastle was the twenty second of uh, 27th of December when we won 4-0. They've got something to play for. We don't have much. This is what I'd like to see between now and the end of the season. Your Harry Cochran's, your Connor Smith's, and anybody else that Craig Levine and the coaching staff think might have a chance of involvement in the cup final Give them a run out because I think it's important we get them up to speed. Um, I've gone past the whole morale thing here and, and trying to win because it's about getting ready for the cup final. I'm not saying just throw in all the kids. There's no point in chucking in kids that are not going to have any chance of being in the 18 for the cup final. But maybe do what we did at Easter Road. Let's have the majority of the team that's kind of got us through the season, but interspersed with anybody that we think might have a chance of the cup final and we need to get their fitness up. We can't afford to have anybody playing in the cup final that can only play an hour or 55 minutes and then they're knackered. So that's what I'm hoping, starting with Kilmarnock this weekend, that Hearts can do. Anybody with a chance of being in the cup final, according to Craig Levine, 
get them involved so that they are ready, if required, to either come off the bench or, in case of emergency, start against Celtic in the cup final. What about you? What do you think about this one? Similar. I would like to certainly see Harry Cochran get another game. And I, I agree that it's, it's, it's important to get people up to speed so by the time we get to the cup final we have options and if there are players who maybe haven't played a lot this season but have put themselves in the frame that they are up to speed match fitness-wise and sharpness-wise. Um, I think it is important for us to get a good win at Tynecastle as well on Saturday, though. I, this is the last time the Hearts fans will um, obviously see their favourites on home soil. So this is the last time that a lot of fans will see Hearts because a lot of fans won't go to away games. And, you know, we've got a Friday night at Pataudry. We've got um, a game at Celtic Park. So I think it's important to give them a good sign off, a good send off, um, get some positivity around the team before these last couple of away games and then of course the big one, the cup final. So I'm hoping they put on a performance and hoping Harry Cochran at least gets another chance and hoping we build on at least the way we ended the derby and get a victory because I think that's important. And to wrap it up on Star Wars Day, how did Darth Vader know what Luke Skywalker was getting for Christmas? Oh for Christ's sake. I don't he felt know his he felt his presence. Uh, okay. Come on, son. What are you expecting? It's a it's a free podcast. You want to you want to do what others do and start <laughs> charging for it? Then you'll get better quality jokes. You pay nothing for something, you get jokes like that. Don't complain. And here is a tumbleweed sound effect. Very good. And on that note, we will see you all next time. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you very much, Mark. Homework. Oh, Christ. Oh, oh ah, cancel. It breaks on. Um, you were going to make homework something to do yeah. with... Yeah. I've forgotten. What was it? Any any Hearts players that come to you to mind... That don't age. Oh. <laughs> is this what it was? Well, there is, I'm, I'm going to call this week's homework then and now. Okay. Okay? So... Alan McLaren and his red face. A lot of the players, when they're when they play, are are fit and and well, they're all fit. But then, like Neville Southall or whatever, it's it's difficult when you don't train every day. You kind of balloon or whatever. I'm not talking about from fit to fat, but I'm just I'm just, <laughs> this is this is made up as I go along. I'm just talking about really. I'm just talking about players from from then who you've met up with or you see. Nowadays, do you see Henry Smith, um, or do you see Wayne Foster as a postman, and have they changed at all? So what's not the question? Quite, what's the question? I don't know. It's, it's a, I'm not sure. Just okay. bear with me here. Okay. I, I, it's just the whole Billy Thompson chat, and I mean Jimmy Sanderson doesn't look too different. Take away the perm, and I think he's aged all right. I think Jimmy's Jimmy's up there. So which which players from the past have aged the best, and which haven't? There we go. We went around the houses and then we finally <laughs> knocked on a door okay. and someone opened. So which Hearts players from the past have aged the best and maybe which haven't? Okay. Or do, well, you, do, you, do you want to be, just be kind and say which Hearts players have aged the best and let's let's just emanate let's, kindness? Let's say the homework is just a then and now theme. You're you're. Have you met Hearts players who of of yesteryear? What are they like? Or, um, you know. 
how have what what did, what are they doing these days? That maybe we wouldn't know about. Are you friends with any of them? Or I don't know. Maybe it's just a theme. This is really really dragging out to try and make a homework question. But well, what what you could do is you could just finish the show like two minutes ago when you were going to, and we would have avoided all this nonsense that I've created right now. So if you're able to edit it, then I'll just say goodbye. Okay. No, no, I'm not gonna. I'll tell you, homework <laughs> is then and now. Fill your boots. Be creative. Whatever. I don't know. Um, I will and see and it, but... <laughs> remember to vote on the Twitter poll. Yes. For the vote, jerseys. Do that. Vote on the, the Twitter poll for the World Cup of Hearts jerseys last 16, which we will share on the Around the oh. Funnel account, which is at Around the Funnel. You can also email us if you want to tell us how much we drag this one out to podcast at Around the Funnel. No. Podcast at Scarves and UK. This is award season. This is award season in Scottish football. This show, this podcast will win fuck all. That's, and that is a fact. Hold up. 